Mexico, Nicaragua, Argentina, Chile, Haiti, China, Korea, Panama, the Philippines, Cuba, Puerto Rico, Guam, Samoa, Honduras, the Dominican Republic, Libya, Egypt, India, Burma, Micronesia, Papua New Guinea. Jesus Christ, this list is long as hell. I'm just going to skip it, okay? <clears throat> for most Americans, those names mean nothing. But for those of us in the Mr. Clean family, they represent a commitment stretching back two centuries, a commitment to not only helping American citizens tackle the stains and tough messes threatening their homes, but to helping the American state cleanse the global south of the communist plague threatening the homeland. We've always answered this call to arms. That's because we're proud of our work, proud to be protecting the men and women in uniform who risk their lives every day, proud to help protect American geostrategic imperatives in pursuit of the sort of permanent hegemonic position that has eluded every empire in human history proud to be clean. Today, we're answering another call to arms, this time from our president. You see, right now, a Chinese virus has killed nearly 200,000 of our fellow citizens. Right now, Chinese technology companies are planning to use the Chinese pandemic as cover for a Chinese corporate takeover of our country. Right now, a novel threat faces our markets, our people, our internets. We cannot let this stand. The internet is a series of pipes and cables through which freedom, democracy, liberalism itself flow. And we're here to clear away all the nasty communist scum clogging up the free flow of American information. That's why today we are introducing a new product, Mr. Clean Networks. To, so to stop the spread of this foreign virus and to inoculate the public once again. I stand here before you with a coalition of the willing, the world's most powerful countries and companies, powers and principalities, devils and colonizers, uh, sorry, wrong script, businessmen and cosmo cosmopolitans, like-minded individuals and collectives who understand what needs to be done. First, we will cleanse this country and then, God help us all, we will cleanse the world. That's the Mr. Clean promise. Friends and enemies, it's episode two of This Machine Kills. I'm Jathan, here with Ed, and we've got an action-packed show today, so let's get straight into it. We're joined by an excellent journalist covering advertising, privacy, and tech policy for Gizmodo, Shoshana Wodinski. Uh, welcome to the show. Very happy to have you as our first guest, claiming that number one spot. I feel so honored. <laughs> 
and mildly scared. I mean, scared. we couldn't have had we, we we couldn't have asked for 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 a better person to come on uh, in this hell of a week. I mean, I feel like every week is a hell of a week, yeah. but but this week in particular has been pretty hellish. <laughs> you know, it's actually so it's your it's punishment to come on to the show and 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 talk to us about. You know, it. initially too. It, it, oh, I, I was just gonna say that. Um, no, I remember me and uh, Jathan had been planning a different episode, right, with uh, Shosanna Zuboff about how she's a, a psyop, you know, and how she... <laughs> and, <laughs> and it ended up... We had to get the good yeah, Shoshana we go. on before we had the bad Shoshana. <laughs> you know? It's like, it's like we, 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 we cover the same thing, but from two wildly... It's like, seriously, like the... <laughs> It's like the angel and devil on one shoulder. Yeah, you know. Except one of <laughs> except one of us wrote a book. It's gonna conf- <laughs> it's gonna confuse everyone when we have uh, when when we're talking next week about Shoshana Zuboff being a psyop, <laughs> and they're like, "Man, was she just on the show?" <laughs> it's like I, I I promise it's a really common name amongst Jews. So if that explains anything. Yeah, that's she really did write a, a brick uh. though, but. Luckily, we that, don't have to talk about that. <laughs> she did write a brick, but let me here. tell you, it's it's really handy right now because I'm using it to prop up my laptop. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah I, I, yeah, I have it as a bookend right now. It's pretty good. Why is that book so big? Like, no book deserves to be that long. Like, not even, like, the last Harry Potter book. Yeah. And that, I think those two were. That, I think, was shorter than the, than the surveillance <laughs> capitalism. You know? I think that was, like, it looks as big now I think about it. Not, not, not when you start adding on all of the uh, extended world bits that J.K. Rowling's been tweeting out. Oh, yeah, you know, the extended like, universe. Who, who's gay? Who's trans? Well, I mean, no one's trans in that, oh, yeah, in yeah, that yeah. novel, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no. Not, not, for, not for J.K. Didn't she also say that wizards, uh, they don't use the bathroom sometimes. They just, like, have a spell to make the shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. They just shit themselves. <laughs> what the fuck? And it just disappears. I got, I got my magic diaper in on. In my world... <laughs> My, in my mind palace, wizards shit themselves, but you are born into one and only one gender identity. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, 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 but yeah, but you're free to shit yourself. Right. And no one will know. You want. Nobody needs to know. No one will ever know. See, the difference is, you know, that that's that's your own private your own private life. You don't need to be sharing that with other people, bringing other people into your choices about when and where you should. Do you think Harry Potter would, uh, do you think like the Hogwarts crew would be using TikTok? Or do you think they'd be like, wow, TikTok is a threat to the wizarding world? They're gonna... (laughs) Thank thank you for bringing it back. Speaking of threats to the wizarding world... wizards used apps i don't even like they had cell phones around the same time that the last book was being published so like i mean what are wands but like the original smartphone you know they were a killer I mean? app thinking <laughs> of things yeah actually the wizards have like think... a bow, you know they do they, the wizards are actually behind uh, tech policy they do industrial policy to uh decide what tech company and what startup you know what uh venture capital fund is gonna you know fund each new thing what if angel right, investors, I've, I've heard of... but wizard investors? Yeah, the Aurors. The Aurors are actually uh, VCs. <laughs> <laughs> 
I've heard of dementors, <laughs> but what's going on in the realm of dementia? Shoshana, can you talk to us about Trump's tactics? No. <laughs> I, 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 I refuse to honor that segue. Try again. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. What, what was the question? Are we still talking right, about so... Harry Potter? So the, the the big thing right now in the tech and politics world is TikTok. What's the fate of TikTok? Who's going to own TikTok? Are we even going to be able to use TikTok? And then, you know, a bunch of other companies are getting brought into it as well. All these Chinese companies, Tencent, Alibaba, you know, I mean... Comp- this is this is how the gamer revolution happens. This is how the how the, the Zoomer revolution happens because it's like there's two types of Zoomers: those who use TikTok and those who game on Fortnite. And both of those are Chinese co- owned by Chinese yeah. companies. No, no, no. If you game on League of Legends, you're sending you're you're in you're helping the Chinese. You're providing material aid for the Chinese yeah. Communist Party, which for the Chinese. <laughs> exactly took it right out like, of my words <laughs> took, the, took the words right out of my mouth uh, i love it th- this th- i love it when people also say that when <laughs> the, in the commentary that's i always think of that as like a subtle little whistle when they're like yeah we can't let the chinese communist party do this it's like, it's like you mean china <laughs> yeah it's just like it's just like my dude those two aren't the same thing yeah. well i mean it's just such a clear call back to the cold war because the ussr was the ccp mm-hmm. right and so mm. or the cccp and so now you've got the ccp so it's just this call back but it's also because it's all the same motherfuckers right none there's been no turnover mm-hmm. in the in, in government policy it's all the same people so they they only they're on, they're just playing the hits right they're on the reunion tour mm-hmm. right now yeah. i think that's no, it's like it's such. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. No, that's it. I think no. I, I just think that's that's right. I think of like every single person right now talking about this was in a Cold War administration talking about this, but for the Soviet Union. Yeah. So Shoshana, you wrote a really awesome piece in Gizmodo trying to trace these like totally wild transnational networks and flows of data and capital particularly like in the <laughs> sorry I was yeah, gonna go say, you, you mean the flows that are completely unregulated in the u.s and china right now Woo! that's just lies fair capitalism yeah. baby <laughs> <laughs> that's the market you mean it's I mean, because it's... <laughs> people don't it's, understand it's, it's markets online because they're not regulated the same way that in like irl markets are and trump is very clearly trying to apply the same rules to both Ooh, okay mm-hmm. right it's all by design right this is this is the cyber spider network uh at play <laughs> yeah. and it, you know it's, it's crawling across the globe but it's by design that these these uh companies and these networks and these flows of data and capital and blah 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 are like so deeply entangled with each other and you can't just pull one thread and i think that's Mm -hmm. what your article maybe you can walk us through um Mm -hmm. like what kind of setup you writing the article and and what you found but i I feel like what you in your article you really show that like you can't just pull one of these threads like like tiktok you can't just be like oh i'm gonna just like yoink that out of the 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 global you know online like digital economy and and it'll be fine it's like no No. you you try to pull that out and a lot of shit comes along with it 
which is why, like, I was trying to tell what's his name, that guy that you got into, that guy that you started cyberbullying. I was not cyberbullying Matt Stoller. Let me be really clear about that. I was punching up. The irony is that he was the Goliath. That's a good time. To be fair, he was. He was he was kind of it was cyberbullying going in both directions. But I was trying to tell him I'm like. Even if you try to break up a Facebook or a Google, like the very nature of the way social media companies and like ad supported platforms work is like they're, it's like a bunch of, it's like hundreds of pieces all intertangled with each other. And if you pull one, it's like, it's like, it's just going to like regenerate or like they'll find new networks to use. Like nothing ever changes. So why do you think, why do you think that aspect of it is like not talked about as much? You know, most of the focus is on the individual companies and like whether they're allowing competitors or whether they're uh, fucking with our individual mm -hmm. privacy and not so much this ecosystem that they rely on to get the stupendous profits, market power, autonomy. Yeah. It's like if you ask if you ask anybody about like how Facebook makes money and they're like, "Oh, they they serve ads." And then you then and then you ask them like, "Okay, like how does that make money?" Mm -hmm. People just kind of be like it's happening somewhere else. And I really do think it's it's like, there's a few reasons. So before coming to Giz, I covered, I like worked for like an advertising magazine, like wrote about this for them. And they like hated talking to the public because they're just like shit. Like on some level, it, it's incredibly complicated. Even if you do work in the business, like in order to make this article work, this TikTok thing, I had to like draw, oop, my camera shut off. In, in order in order to make this thing work, I had to draw out like a goddamn diagram. Mm. Like I and like that's like <laughs> That was a good one. Like it is it is insane. I know. And like that's just like a corner of a corner of a corner of, of like of like all the shit that I found. And I was just like and I had to make it as simple as possible. So you have this really kind of complex ecosystem that isn't really easy to like describe to the public. And then you have people who's like, it's in their material interest not to describe it to the public. So they're like, okay, if we oversimplify it, we can kind of slide past regulators and uh, it'll like tie it up into like this nice little bow that's easy to understand. So it's kind of a win-win and nobody will know to ask more questions. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's At least, when, you know, when I showed people your article, uh, specifically <sighs> that diagram I think popped up to some because like they didn't. All right. So you have the first, you know, tier of companies that you talk about, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, you know, Google, all that. And then immediately mm -hmm. right after, you know, are companies that people have never heard of. I'm sure. You know, Baidu, uh, right. video, video ads, yeah. one side. <laughs> video ads. Yeah. yeah. It's no, 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 no. And it's no. And it's like, whenever you think about like a Cambridge Analytica story happening, it's just like shit. Like you, it, it takes a story like that for people to realize, like, no, there's intermediary players here. Like, it's not just Facebook and Google and the servers they work with. There's, like, a ton of, like, middlemen mm -hmm. that, like, actually make the money happen. And it's, like, yeah. it, it is insane to me that policy thus far does not, it does barely addresses that at all. Well, yeah, because it's, like, I mean, 
the irony here is that the only people that really care about the way capitalism operates they're are, on this call like, <laughs> yeah they're, they're, they're like they're like you know there are people like us like like marxists leftists critics right like we're the only ones that actually care about it but the people that are actually doing it creating policy for it the people that are talking about ecosystems and shit in silicon valley they they one have no fucking idea how these networks actually operate they have no idea how something you know once you start digging into even something like the advertising economy that there's like you know literally countless uh companies and intermediaries at play that this data flows through and you know gets monetized in these little ways but but that's also the thing is they don't have to care right right because no, they, they... that that's sorry you're sorry you're yeah, no, go ahead, right go ahead. They, no they, they don't, it's just they don't like, have to care right it's like that's the thing like back when i was covering this for people in the industry they're just like why should we tell anybody about our job because like they don't it's too complicated for them to understand and they don't need to know that we exist so like what's the point and i'm like you make a good you make a good point there, sir. And then, like, when tech policy rolls around, they're like, "Oh no, we we don't actually exist." <laughs> yeah. I like I like <laughs> this fucking excuse of like, "Well, why should I tell anybody exactly. about about this thing that I myself do not understand at all?" You know, it, right? Exactly. <laughs> Clearly, if I don't understand it, then no one else needs to know about it. Right, because the thing is, like, the entire ad ecosystem is built on coders kind of passing their stuff off to like business executives and neither side really talks to each other. So nobody really understands how it works. We all just kind of have like guesstimations about what's happening. So when you try to kind of appropriately regulate like an estimate, it's like how, how the hell is Trump supposed to like prevent data from going to China when we don't even know how it's getting there in the first place? Right. So then there, then the question this- emerges, right? that we don't know <clears throat> how it's getting there. And, and when we zoom in to try to trace one path, you know, it gets muddy very quickly. You know, with that example you had with Ad, Ad Tiger being like a place or as one of the companies where people right. might say, oh, if your data ends up here, the Chinese government is gonna get it. But then like Ad Tiger has partnerships with companies that have partnerships like, with everyone, like- right? Right. And that's and, and like people were like in my comments being like, so why don't we just like cut off Ad Tiger, which is just this one company that I picked out of a hat at random. And I'm like, OK, there's at least like there's dozens of others like there might be like in the US, there's eight more than 8000 ad tech companies. And in China, that number might be comparable. We don't know because yeah. half of the documents are in Chinese and I don't read Chinese. So it's like. <laughs> People just want to clip the fingernails when they got to cut off the whole hand. You know, <laughs> the, yes! the, the problem is not the problem is not Ad Tiger. It's not TikTok, <laughs> right? It's the existence of this entire way of organizing the economy, this entire way of, uh, of, of monetizing, right? This kind of like financial backbone of the Internet um, is built right. on. I mean, it's, it's built on advertising, which is something that people are constantly talking about but they're talking about it without any like true understanding of just how tangled and just like all of the shit that's below the surface right this like this like subterranean network of of roots and everything's connected to each other right it's it's not like yeah you can't just pull up one of the weeds without this whole subterranean network coming along with it right 
and in some ways, like regulation is making it worse. Like when CCPA came into effect uh, in July, you know, you had a lot of people who started partnering with like more third parties in order to be compliant with CCPA. So in a sense, that's just adding like more branches to this tree that go off in their own separate directions. And that's just like one example, like the more kind of like connected devices we have, like, you know, like Spotify is starting to run ads. So you have like more branches there. And like when like your connected TVs start running more ads, like there's more brands. It just, it is insane to me that people are trying to pin this problem on one particular app because it happens to be popular when there's so many other apps that are coming from mainland China right now. Yeah, you know, I think it is interesting the ways in which uh, stuff like this gets talked about because like you said, the obvious step is to criticize the structure of the digital economy but all these people Mm. are invested in the digital economy it would make no sense for them to do so because then you might start getting into dangerous territory like like uh there are there would be proposals then to all right well if all these companies are real concerned then let's restructure Mm. how ads work or how the ad economy or how ad tech (laughs) works you know and i can right i can imagine that that would you know, cause a panic or, you know, you'll screams from the well, abyss, right? I, yeah, well, I mean, to, I mean, aside from all the people lobbying to make sure that doesn't happen, right. I mean, Ed, you and I write, write for digital publications. Mm-hmm. We are biting the hand that feeds <laughs> yeah. us here. Yeah. So like any, any restructuring could mean that we're out of a job. So like at the same time, we're like, we kind of have to fix it, but fixing it might mean everybody gets laid off. So it's just like, what, what's worse yeah you know all this reminds me a lot of people don't know this but one of my white whales so one of my white whales is softbank and softbank has a stake in vice softbank. it has a it has a 17% stake in vice because it has a partnership with a venture capital fund that invested in vice so i'm getting oh, I'm, I'm getting money from the <laughs> That's how all these VCs and hedge funds and like big in- investment vehicles work, though, right? Is that they have like these sometimes really massive stakes and things, but I but they don't even realize it because they're just they're just investing money. They're planting, you know, they're planting money right. seeds and waiting for it to grow in the money right. trees, and you know that that means that they end up with like majority stakes in like really weird companies, but but they but they don't know about it, and they're largely. Uh, you know, like silent board members, right? They're not actually going to those vote, like those board votes, unless unless they want to throw their weight around. And so, like SoftBank owning seventeen percent stake in Vice or whatever, like you know, it doesn't have any real material impact unless something right. comes up, right? <laughs> unless something comes up that threatens their interest, and then SoftBank's like, oh shit, we we own like like a minority majority in that company. We can go throw some votes around and do it's something. It's gonna happen when I write my book on Masayoshi San. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna write a big ass you better. biography on him because the other ones are not not good. And, the, and then I'll get a call. <laughs> There's um there's like a translated uh biography of him, but the translation is not a good translation. So a lot of the quotes mm. I can't even, you know, rely on because of the translation is not like one to one, you know, so that sometimes it's just made up. Yeah. Um and <laughs> sometimes the words are Yeah. And uh like sometimes a lot of the coverage of him is not only superficial like it is in a lot of tech, but also just like 
uh, borderline a little racist or a little like playing into stereotypes of like uh, uh, someone who's not a Westerner. They can't possibly be motivated by reason. Why would one dude spend like billions of dollars on stupid things? You know, so I'm just gonna have to oh learn God. Japanese. Speaking speaking of <laughs> racism, <laughs> Orientalism. racist coverage. Yeah, never. I feel like that's a huge part of what's going on with this. Uh, yes. With, I mean, I don't feel like it. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. obvious. That's a huge part of what's going on with with TikTok and, and the way Trump and the State Department is now talking about uh, the CCP, right? The Chinese Communist Party. It, it, it's the this this whole event is really interesting because it's it's really telling, right? It's it's people telling on themselves by talking about TikTok. Uh, and so it's like for Trump, the problem is 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 the nationalism part, right? The problem is that it's not good old fashioned homegrown American ad companies. It's not Mad Men, right? It's not fucking John Hamm yeah. doing it. It's you know, it's people in China doing it. That's for him. That's the problem. Yeah. Is that your John Hamm? <laughs> I can't do a John Hamm boy. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's like everybody's impression of what advertising is is from the day. Admittedly, before I worked for this fucking magazine, my I my idea was like, oh, it's gonna be like, no, it's not like Mad Men at all. It's all people looking at computers, mm-hmm. and then computers talking to other computers, and sometimes those computers are in China. Mm-hmm. And if that why happens, are you just describing the entire economy <laughs> yeah. right now? It's just people <laughs> looking at computers. <laughs> And they don't know why and those computers are talking to other computers there, if you look on getty images also there's like one dude on the wall street stock exchange who appears in every single picture and i like to imagine that he's the economy he's just doing all the trades he's, he's shorting everything it's him it's just this one white guy who's bald i it's just but yeah it's, it, how does the economy work and what if you guys break it down for me? <laughs> <laughs> the economy is all right. Well, let's luckily. Is it a series of t- all right. I have I have a, a volume of capital around here somewhere. We can start. <laughs> I, was say, I was waiting. I was I was I was leaving the space open for you, Ed, to 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 make the the necessary reference there. Uh, but yes, yeah, so, I mean for for them, it's the problem is the the problem is the is China, right? It's it's this kind of Orientalism. It's this. Uh, this imperialism as well. Um, but then we can also see other critics um, and where the problem is, again, not not the way that the this economy is set up or its consequences or anything like that. The problem is that it's concentrated in the hands of a couple people, which I think your reporting shows that's actually not the case, right? Like there is, there are, there is concentration in the sense that like, Facebook and Google are major like platforms and like right. buyers for for this ad space, but the ad economy itself is like countless right. like hundreds thousands of of little nameless right. companies. Right. It's it's inter- it's definitely it's it's international, but like at least in the states, like more than like six like I think roughly sixty percent of it is controlled by Facebook and Facebook and Google, and a little bit and Amazon is somewhere behind them, kind of like creeping up. But for the most part, it's like there are charts. I could send you, speaking of charts, I could send you so many charts of just thousands and thousands of companies that all just kind of do their own little thing. And they all have like weird ass Silicon Valley names that nobody's ever going to hear of until they're indicted in the next Cambridge Analytica scandal. 
but the thing is this the reason that this field is filled with so much bloat is because like people can just say shit and say that they bring a certain amount of value to the supply chain and it just is accepted because it's all algorithmic and if people are saying they can do something you kind of have to take them at their word so yeah it's it's, right it's all like this i I like you had a line in there that was really in your article that was really good it's something like the advertising economy is black boxes within black boxes within black boxes which to me sounds like a a russian nesting doll Uh if you know what i mean russia china something's going on but that that same descriptor you know this idea that you we're we're very focused i mean i think for good reason on the elephants right on the big on the big things that are really noticeable but what we don't notice is that on each of these elephant elephants is like millions of parasites right all like Mm. all latched on sucking blood from it and that's that's what is actually happening right that's what the Mm -hmm. that's that's where these networks of data and capital and so on are really flowing is through these like little parasites these intermediaries that are like latching on Um, and it's not only the advertising economy it's like i mean the same thing goes with the data broker economy right the same thing goes with any of these quote unquote like born digital or digital native economies yeah i mean like we have seen uh oh god my camera we have seen like the u.s like 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 federal officials contracting out to advertising agencies specifically for like their data expertise and because the u.s is really friendly to public private partnerships especially Mm -hmm. now you have like these this like insane overlap where you have like this completely kind of unregulated space which is like digital data mining being kind of like sent to the specifically to the u.s government and then when people are kind of talking about i'm not really making sense here but when people are talking about kind of the fear of the like china's like ccp getting their hands on our data i have to point them to the countless kinds of occasions where people use American data from American companies for surveillance mm-hmm. on U.S. soil. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, just a call back to our first ep- our last episode, our first episode, uh, is that a lot of police departments are, are buying data from data brokers, right? Right. Because, it, it, again, it's a public-private partnership, yeah. um, but that data is readily available for them, yeah. and it's a really quick way for them to juice their networks of and, and their database. And I think this also gets yeah, to, I like, mean, like uh, how, uh, like uh, there, you know, on the one hand, right there, we can undermine the arguments about how um, this is a uniquely uh, Chinese threat, right? Because in American society, we have surveillance and we have censorship. And then also, I know that there's like a push because in China, there, this apparatus does end up being used for means that may go beyond what we will experience here, whether mm-hmm. it's with the Uyghurs or w- whether it's with uh, the ability to censor, but still, like, I think also, like, a, a point that gets lost in it or, or considered, and also, like, why I think your piece is really important on this is that, like, you know, these are part of it is conse- part of these are consequences of individ- individual decisions that are made by state in pursuit of enforcing social order, right? But they're enforcing it with tools mm-hmm. that are consequences of a larger economy that lack of regulation, that capitalist, you know, incentives for profit, you know, driven activity, and also for this, like, both of them developing their own hubs of tech, 
in the United States Silicon Valley, and then in China using the Great Firewall to to build competitors to Silicon Valley. Like they have, they are both. Mm-hmm. They have both created like the fundamentals for apparatuses or apparatuses that people should be worried about. But you know, because of how bad the analysis is here, because of how complicated things are here, because of how racist this country is that you know like the the discussion ends up being really like okay well you know the ccp is gonna like uh storm virginia beach and invade dc and uh two generations if we don't stop the data because the data they'll use to then get insights and then launch cultural attacks onto us and undermine the integrity of our How? <laughs> yeah How? <laughs> that's <laughs> I... it's like it's <laughs> It's like it's it's like it's like in my piece, some of the ad that some of the China China based ad partners that I pointed out, like have been implicated in like propaganda from China reaching the US, like on like Twitter at all. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, okay, Twitter is technically complicit in that. Why aren't we yelling at Twitter? And then supposedly some like regulator somewhere just kind of like just sits there and falls over mm-hmm. because they suddenly realize that regulating Chinese tech companies means regulating American ones too. And that would be bad. But when the when the U when the U.S. state does it, it's not propaganda. Though. That's just you know, yeah, that's that's just policy. That's just truth telling. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. But but we are we are kind of like facilitating global trade. Like you know, Jack Dorsey is getting money from overseas, so it's fine. It's like we're part of the greater picture. I think that so it's like. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's why oh, no, sorry. the geopolitics have been getting a little bit more play in these discussions, you know, because in all honesty, you know, when someone tells you that they care about geopolitics, like really care about it, you should just like write them off as like batshit because like for you, for someone to reduce human politics and history to like uh, ge- the relationship between politics and geography is a little nuts. Not to say that there isn't a relationship, but like to focus singularly on it is uh is a little bit of a tell but i think it's not a coincidence that the people in like these geopolitical and foreign policy circles who carry a lot of water to defend immoral stuff you know in the name of power or an uh, or a good geopolitical position are making alliances with the people in tech who are defending egregious and immoral shit under the pretense of like well we can't really like if we even tease a little bit at any part of the system it's all gonna like go to china you know yeah i mean most most people have forgotten and it was like it was a kind of a flash in the pan but um a while back ago i want to say like 2013 around that time eric schmidt and jared cohen um who was a jared cohen was a like senior policy advisor in the state department and he was one an of the amazing one grifter. of the only people good guy. <laughs> an amazing grifter and one of one of the only people who um stayed over from uh condoleezza mm. rice uh to hillary clinton's state department so he's one of the only people to cross both of those administrations um and then like when he left the state department he became head of like Google's in-house think tank, like Google Ideas, I think it was called. But uh, Jared Cohen and Eric Schmidt wrote this book called The New Digital Age, and it was a book about geopolitics. It was it was Eric Schmidt kind of like planting his flag for what he's now doing, which is largely like 
providing like military and strategic advice like as in like an advisor role to um geopolitical issues uh you know helping and and also domestic ones right like helping out cuomo um with revamping new york mm. state for the post-pandemic whatever um but but this but this book which was this kind of flash in the pan was really I think it presaged a lot of what we're talking about now in a really weird way. And all, all that's happened is that, you know, Trump has just kind of inflected it with his own like nationalist mercantilism. But ultimately the, the message is still very similar in that, like, you know, we need to take control of cyberspace. We, you know, we need a, like, we need an imperialist policy for cyberspace because this is a new territory where like, that's where the new wars and the new economic, you know, the, the new hot wars and cold wars and economic wars are going to be happening in cyberspace. And so, you know, we, we have to, we have to have a cyber force to, uh, to, to, to be on that front line. Is that like the Space Force, but <laughs> instead they're all dressed up like 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 That's like characters exactly. from Tron? Yes, That's exactly. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> could be like a new. Uh, it's a capitalist a... Kingdom Hearts, you know. We'll just have like yeah. yes. <laughs> cameos from every single I mean... branded enterprise and IP that's ever been made. So I I, I mean all of this is like. I mean, all, all that's to say that none of this is new, but also that this that this leads directly up to this like batshit insane announcement that Pompeo's State Department made very recently about um, the Clean Networks program. Clean <laughs> Networks. So I just want to read <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Clean, Mr. Clean <laughs> Networks over here. Um, <laughs> message to our sponsors. Every reporter was thinking about Mr. Clean like as soon as they saw <laughs> I think, what, what time? Was that the one that they dropped at 9 p.m.? No, 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 no. It was something else. But they dropped it at some crazy hour, I think. And I just saw that. I mean, you gotta. And I just like know? immediately. <laughs> you gotta avoid the meme cycle. Why did they... <laughs> Why do they keep dropping shit at like 9 p.m. Eastern? I don't what, what the Do you do you think like that's delegated? I don't want anyone to read do you it. think that's delegated to like an intern or Trump's like Pompeo, you got to do it yourself. You got to go on the fucking 1998 Windows OS and, uh, and drop uh, for the American people the uh, expansion of the clean network to safeguard American assets. So safeguard, I, I... let's 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 remember that word. That's going. That's that's the secret word. That's the Pee Wee Funhouse like <laughs> secret word of the day for this episode. Is every time you see safeguard, we're all gonna go ah, because <laughs> that that will come. That will come in later for something else that we're going to to it's to a get surprise into. Tool. But I wanna um, yeah. I I I wanna talk. I wanna read a couple lines from this announcement. Do um, you have to? So the. <laughs> Sorry, Shoshana. This is what you signed up for. It's only going to get worse from yeah. here. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm ready. The I'm Clean ready. Networks pro the Clean Networks program is the Trump administration's comprehensive approach to guarding our citizens' privacy and our company's most sensitive information from aggressive intrusions by malign actors such as the Chinese Communist Party or CCP. Momentum for the Clean Network program is growing. More than 30 countries and territories are now clean countries, and many of the world's biggest telecommunication companies are 
clean telcos all have committed to exclusively using trusted vendors in their clean networks. <laughs> and this is all like building on this five on what was um, announced in late April, the 5G Clean Path Initiative, um, which was about securing like data traveling on 5G networks uh, again to prevent um, you know uh, wiretapping and surveillance and right. espionage and stuff. But the stuff we do is <laughs> fucking yeah 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 so because we we need a monopoly yeah, on that that's a right? good monopoly that's a that's what we call an economics a natural uh, monopoly <laughs> well, shoshana is just rubbing her temples very aggressively right now <laughs> trying to get in and massage her own brain no <laughs> because i Economics just spills I, and I'm ruins. On... It just spells and ruins. That's what it is. What? Okay, 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 okay. No, no, no. Because, like, wiretapping, hacking, like, yes, these are legitimate threats. But, like, data privacy is something completely different. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, if you're, trying, if you're trying to bring telcos into there, like, you know that telcos have their own subsidiaries for selling cell phone data, right? Like, that's a thing. Like, that is a thing that they do. Like... Nothing. And they... I mean, like, I'm... <laughs> Nothing's going to stop the market, yeah. you know? I mean, what they're ultimately doing, though, right? This is BDS for China, <laughs> right? For, for Chinese digital companies. Because they're like, we need to boycott, we need to divest, <laughs> and we need to sanction <laughs> Huawei. <laughs> and, 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 and companies from the People's Republic of China, the PRC, yeah, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, because they get into, the, like, they're... The announcement is is outlining um, what they call five new lines of effort for the clean networks, um, and and they're just all batshit insane as well, right? It's all really weird. It's a weird way of understanding like policy and political economy in this world because they're talking about things like. Um, you know, we need clean carriers, clean stores, clean apps, clean clouds, clean cables. Uh, fucking it, the 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 language of clean. I, I realize that I think one reason why it hits my ear is so weird. Not only because it's just it, it is just like really bizarre, um, but because it, it echoes the language of 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 hygiene, yeah. mm -hmm. right? Of like racial mm -hmm. hygiene it's eugenics for tel like telco policy that's yeah what i mean is. corporations are people and we need to make sure we have a eugenics program for corporations we need to make sure they're american stock <laughs> we need to make sure that they are all run by boards of uh diverse people White with people. american citizens no okay. <laughs> yeah. you have okay 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 diverse <laughs> but all american yeah, yeah yeah i mean look I'll, it would you know it would they, help they, if all of them were white but and had blue eyes, but we'll settle for blue passports. You know, that's all. We'll settle for that. <laughs> you know, they say data is the lifeblood of the economy, but have we really thought about what phenotypes are in that data? What 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 kind? Yeah. yeah what 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 kind of traits are running through that, those veins of the economy? Blood quanta data. Know, let's really dig into this blood <laughs> aspect of it. <laughs> It's like it is it is insane to me that like during the antitrust hearing, and I think I wrote something like in the middle of the antitrust hearing, like about this, but like these companies are trying to pass themselves off, like especially uh Zuckerberg trying to pay, like pass himself off as like this like all American company. Yeah, He's like, We are American. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. like... your Facebook kinda is because it did, you know, incite a genocide. So I mean like 
like yeah. you know <laughs> that's pretty you know like that's they proved they proved it everyone else they they got some stuff that pretty did, yeah. american got got those american bona fides i mean we we talked about this in the in the last episode as well as this idea of like yeah i mean the 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 weird zuckerberg like offensive of of, of one um equating facebook with small businesses right like based like trying to steal small business valor so it's uh, like I... every jet <laughs> every jet ski dealer that uses facebook to like market it's it's weird fucking like march madness deals you know <laughs> come down the crazy edge uh you know that's facebook actually you know that's actually facebook valor <laughs> and, and, and 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 you know if you're against facebook then you're against the usa you're small businesses yeah, but constituted by the United Small Businesses of America. <laughs> it's like that scene in the campaign oh, where he's like, yeah. uh, small businesses are the backbone of America. Welders are the backbone of America. Filipino far- nurses are the backbone of America. Just like every, any demographic. I just like imagine Zuckerberg in front of a mirror. You know, Sheryl Sandberg behind him. That dude from the UK who they recruited for some reason <laughs> behind him too. Just be like, we are a small business vendor. <laughs> you know, we are a small business vendor. <laughs> this, I mean, it's I'm, it's I'm just, working? Question mark. Yeah, a little. <laughs> I'm just imagining a, a like a weird, bizarre version, and and maybe this will be a, a future cold open. Uh, <laughs> it, it is, um, it, it's the it's the the speech from Network, the cosmology oh of corporation yeah. speech, where like Howard, like uh, the you know Mr. Bill is just like really being you know and it's ibm and it's cisco and it's ford and it, but but it's going to just be the, <laughs> the fucking like mr clean networks version of that oh my god can you imagine like zuckerberg like he was at the hearing it's crazy ed's jet ski dealer <laughs> I, I would love if, it's, it's face it's like that dude he, what he wanted zuckerberg to do on bezos is just to be like i'm mad as hell and i'm not gonna take it anymore and just start screaming in congress and they'll be like dude just put your like chill put your mask on there's no need for anything wasn't Bezos wasn't Bezos like eating a sandwich yeah halfway through well, or did i imagine it's like a sandwich some snacks you know i love also how he chose like what was supposed to be like the the most modest part of his mansion, his 52-room mansion or whatever the fuck, you know, that he lives in. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I got books. I don't even put books in all of the spaces. This just, I'm like you, you know? <laughs> I'm, an, I'm a person. I'm the richest yeah, in the world. <laughs> as, 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 as our, our, our producer, Jeremy Brown, who's sitting in on this call, reminded me during the hearing is that Bezos' mansion has, like, 18 bathrooms mm-hmm. or something like that. Because my man, like... And and it has it has rooms that are like just dedicated to like let's have let's have a party let's have a dance let's have a ballroom for everybody what does that what does that say? Jeremy is just holding up to like a like a hostage a hostage note to the to the call right now that just says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know that's where it was filmed oh, a lot man. of people don't know that that's where it was filmed that mansion that Bezos moved into that's why it costs so much it's historical site you know <laughs> yeah yeah real real historical site exactly that that's 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 where the internet was really born that was like i 
it is like H.H. H. Holmes. Like, I'm not surprised if there's a dead body somewhere oh, in the Jeff Bezos mansion. There's one right now, and it's fermenting, and it's they're, like, debating whether to, like, get rid of it or blend it or acidify it. Like, it's there. <laughs> blend it. Yeah. it. Oh, man. All right. So... Spe- speaking of you know everyone throwing a dead happy, body like, in a <laughs> <laughs> this this is my job now is just to do weird bizarre segues to the next <laughs> <laughs> to the next thing uh, uh the the job of a showrunner uh, mc <laughs> spe- spe- speaking of a corpse in a blender <laughs> well, I was going to say, speaking of everyone having a collective psychotic break right now, um, Ed, can you, can you, can, Jamie, put up on the network? Um, <laughs> Ed, can you pull up that Niall oh, Ferguson God. tweet and walk us Ooh. through? This, this is hot off the presses. This oh, is something God. that Niall Ferguson tweeted like moments before we started recording. So- and and my man is just like his power levels are over nine thousand right background. now. Like his, like <laughs> people who <laughs> yeah, do not right. know Neil Ferguson. Neil Ferguson is uh, what we like to call. Oh shit! Is it Neil? I always say Neil. I don't. I in all honesty, <laughs> I have no idea how to pronounce it, and I will never. <laughs> yeah, this man is one of the like. He's probably like the preeminent apologist for the British Empire. Uh, but also for Empire in general. I think, like, his lasting legacy will be, like, mockingly looked back as when he wrote a book about how the the West made killer apps that made it rule the world. You know, killer apps like uh, freedom and uh, ingenuity and innovation. You know, shit that no other civilization had ever thought of before. So um, today, you know, as a result, you know, he was sitting there and he wrote, he tweeted out, like, an excerpt from his long-ass you know, rant about China uh, called um, TikTok is a name, China's imperial. Importantly, this is this is a Bloomberg opinion. Yeah, here we go. Right. Where all all the best brain genius mind thoughts are are written. A little little too hot for the Wall Street Journal, I think a little too hot for them. But, (laughs) you know, this is the early days. So he said uh, TikTok is not just China's revenge for the century of humiliation between the opium wars and Mao's revolution. It is the opium, a digital fentanyl, to get our kids stoked for the coming Chinese imperium, which is objectively batshit insane to say. <laughs> it's just that makes and not and not a lie. Yeah. I am I, I am actually extremely stoked for the coming Chinese <laughs> the idea... and and the renaissance of opium dens again. Yeah, I, I'm, I was I'm actually say... really excited. You know, actually, does it have drugs? <laughs> oh my god! You know, like a lot of uh, most people just like I think a lot of these like neocon, you know, neo neo paleocon, whatever the fuck they want to call themselves, they think of like China's like a mystical it's just like an updated version a rebooted version of like the, the renaissance era stereotypes where it's like oh you know they have it's shangri-la but there's like a thousand of them and they're all digital opium dens instead of like you know a country where a fifth of humanity lives you know and, and where they're human beings and you know and it's not like everything revolves around what the west did to china but um you know the I'm I'm imagining a like the like a Ben Garrison um, cartoon mm-hmm. where it's just like a bunch of like z- like Zoomer deadheads lounging in an opium <laughs> den, but 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 they're smoking yes. smartphones. I think. <laughs> <laughs> 
there, this is some there black we mirror go. shit. What if what what if a smartphone but What you if you lived it? in a smartphone and you smoked that? <laughs> I think smoke a smartphone. Like like is it kind of like a hookah, but like yeah, like you stick a smartphone where the water like what? Yo, we'll find a way. Silicon Valley will find a way, believe me. You know, they'll they'll figure it out. A startup will figure it out. So, how do you how do you vape a smartphone without the smartphone? Oh, maybe you can it? you can vape like I've actually I've actually gotten to the point where I have to snort my smartphone because <laughs> uh, it just doesn't give me the, the, the hit that I'm looking for. You know, for. like vapes already have metals in them, so maybe you just like vape the metals of a smartphone over time, and then like. You I could be like, yeah, ion right, exactly. So like, in, yeah. over, yeah, I'm free basing lithium ion and every, cobalt every right year. Now. Every year, an American teen smokes one smartphone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll. That's right, so, so, just cutting up the like, with a razor blade. Yeah, Sorry. it'll be. I, it'll be it. I feel like I feel like it's really obvious that now Ferguson is free basing yeah, something I think right so. now. I think but, um, with, with this with this. And article. there's uh there's like a, a a course section. It's near the end that I think is worth like going over because uh, I think it gives the the game away. You know, um, and in it he basically it's a little long but I'll, I'll i'll try to speed through it so that you guys don't have to suffer so he goes you know the chinese response to the american attack on tiktok gives the game away on twitter huji uh the editor-in-chief of the government-controlled global times called the move open robbery accused trump of turning the once great america into a rogue country and warned that quote when similar things happen again and again, time and again, uh, the U.S. will take steps closer to its decline. End quote. Ah, yes, our old friend, the decline and fall of American imperialism. And it's called Larry. Uh, and in a revealing essay published last year in April, uh, the Chinese political theorist Zhang Xinjiang, a professor at Peking uh, University Law School, spelled out the imperial nature of China's ambition. World history, he argued, is the history of empires, not nation states, which are a relatively recent phenomenon. By the way, this has long been my own view, he adds. Uh, the history of uh, humanity is surely the history of competition for imperial hegemony, Jiang writes, which has gradually propelled the form of empires from their original local nature toward the current tendency towards global empires, and finally towards a single world empire. End quote. The globalization of our time, according to Cheng, uh, is the single world empire 1.0, the model of the world empire established by England and the United States. But the Anglo-American empire is unraveling internally because of three great unsolvable problems. The ever-increasing inequality created by the liberal economy, ineffective governance caused by political liberalism, and decadence and nihilism created by cultural liberalism. Come to think of it, I agree with this too. Moreover, the Western empires. Because <laughs> yeah, if this were about anyone but yeah. China, right? If, this, if, if, if he were writing this about an Anglo country, he'd be writing it with a, a hard on so <laughs> yeah. massive. He couldn't like sit at and his it's, desk. And it's, right? yeah. like he, and it's also, like, it should be noted, all these insights, uh, Ferguson is like, is like, you know, ringing the fucking alarm bell because a, a Chinese scholar is making them. But like American scholars have been making them for years. 
And, like, every time an American scholar says it, everyone goes, oh, damn, that's deep, bro. Like, we, yo, like, we, we should do something yeah. about it. Just, just, do, just, just do one of those misattribution quote mm-hmm. things where you just put, like, like by Thomas right. Jefferson. And people would be like, oh, fuck. And, <laughs> yes. And so from there, he's like, yo. Yeah, yo, shit, he got him. You know, he got the American Empire. Oh, got him. Yeah. Got him. <laughs> He goes, moreover, the Western Empire is under external attack from, quote, Russian resistance and Chinese competition. This is not a bid to create alternative Eurasian Empire, but a struggle to become the heart of the world empire. If you doubt that China is seeking to take over Empire 1.0 and turn it into Empire 2.0 based on China's illiberal civilization, then you are not paying attention to all the ways the strategy is being executed. And it's like, you know, like that sort of idea... I, it's it's viewed as like novel and insightful and it's now fusing its way into tech but i mean like the america's main political scientists and theorists who have informed american political uh form strategy and geo strategy believe that you know like zbigniew brzezinski one of is like probably him and kissinger are like the two key you know planners of how we structure the american empire and that's their thesis you know kissinger you know and and Brzezinski differed in the ways to solve it, but, you know, Brzezinski had, like, six books where he just wrote that that's the problem with American empire, and if we want to rule the world, and we should rule the world because we're better in his uh, in his estimation, <laughs> you know, then we need to do and, that. And never, never, un- never underestimate the zeal of the convert mm-hmm. either, because it's also, it's super bizarre that, I mean, Kissinger, Ferguson, even think of people like, uh, you know, poster extraordinaire Ian Miles <laughs> Chung, right? Like, none of these people are American, right? They've adopted Brzezinski too, America. yeah, Brzezinski was I mean, a Polish except, immigrant, right? Ex- yeah. Right, so you've got, so, I mean, except for Chung, who still lives in Kuala Lumpur, but but posts as if he lives in, you know, in Brooklyn. Yeah. New York <laughs> or whatever. But, uh, yeah, in Brooklyn. <laughs> He's projecting himself as a Brooklyn mm-hmm. poster. But, I mean, all these people have adopted America, right? And they've adopted the American empire as their right. empire, which is truly bizarre because in a different uh, time period, the American empire would be seeking to crush mm-hmm. them just as just as it's now seeking to crush China. And it all, honestly, right? it still is. I mean, it's written in almost every single, you know, envisioning of empire. The argument, like, you know, Brzezinski has a huge book called The Grand Chessboard. It's like, it's probably the first book in a long series of geopolitical texts where he's like, look, the Soviet Union has fallen. We stand in a position unlike any other country. We can rule the world forever and use it to create whatever future we want. So long term, we should make a better humanity. But in the short term, we need to, you know, get the devils out. You know, we need to make sure that there are no rivals, no challengers, contain any threats. And the entirety of that book is talking about why our empire is the best and how to make our empire the only one that thrives. But when, again, you know, when he makes that point, it's great because he's of Western civilization. But when a Chinese scholar doesn't even argue that like China's uh, empire is the doesn't even talk about it in the same terms just observes like that United States is falling out of its chance for permanent dominance because of these traits then you I mean mm. fuck you know mm. you got to ring the alarm bells <laughs> <laughs> 
So one one of the first things I thought of when I read um, Shoshana's piece, uh, who who I think is descending into deeper and deeper wells of madness while listening to this, and I'm sorry to give you the like finishing blow right now. Oh oh, no 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 it's it's no no it's it's fine. I I was I was telling you guys beforehand like I did not read this piece. I took one philosophy class in college and I think I like fell asleep halfway through. I somehow passed. I hear you. But like this is all. You're, this is all like just you know, blowing my mind right now. Actually, <laughs> actually <laughs> this was my major before I did. This was like what I was studying. This is what I was thinking when I was a little naive, uh, radical. I was like, you know what? I'm going to study uh, foreign policy and geopolitics. I'm going to fucking infiltrate. And then I'll. <laughs> <laughs> and because I was like, you know, someone has to do it and I'll do it. And then. I realized, oh, you don't have to do that. You can actually just like be happy and do something you like and help help people at the same time. <laughs> how, how's that? How's that actually, going for you? I man? love it. How's it's that? great. I get to be angry all the time about people who who will never ever be dislodged from their position unless we pull them out of it. You know, it's great. <laughs> You know, I, I, you know, I, I, I miss not being angry all the time. <laughs> I do too. I do too. Honestly. I, I don't, I, I don't know what that, I don't know what that's like anymore. It's like life support for me. <laughs> I get up in the morning. You know, usually when I get up, I have thirty minutes where I'm like, not really awake, and I'm like, oh god, why do I exist? And then I remember, I'm like, oh, <laughs> fuck, Uber is spending millions of dollars slandering someone today. <laughs> oh, like, uh, I mean, shout, shout out to shout out to Vina, yeah. who's like really getting pulled Vina's through the ringer it. on Vina, this, but coming out coming out stronger than ever. Vina's work was one of the things that convinced me uh, to shift fully to this. Vina is like an amazing organizer, scholar, and like fuck Uber for um, wasting sixty million dollars to try. Like they've tried to dox her, they've tried to do public records, yeah. uh, you know, requests on every email she's ever sent. They've tried to harass her. They tried to accuse her of illegal lobbying, like just all sorts of nonsense. That um, just using that Scrooge McDuck fault of 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 like overvaluation and VC capital for all the most harebrained schemes, insane. right? <laughs> to go after a fucking law professor. <laughs> like like Uber on. does not have this money. <laughs> they, you know they've never had money. I'm they I'm like. We should let's let's tell let's reiterate to the audience Uber has never once in its entire operation in the past decades made a profit. It made like an on paper profit for two quarters, but that was because it was honestly like bullshit. It was just accounting bullshit that they used to say actually we didn't lose money, we gained money because the money that we lost in a division, uh, we sold that division and we made money off the sale, but the the losses we incurred while we sold it don't count. Just the sale, so. <laughs> so why, why I want to I want to I want to shoehorn this in real quick, um, since we're we're getting to the end of the episode. But I, I do want to put a flag in this, um, and we this is something that we'll I think come back to and explore later. But the when I read Shoshana's piece, um, and when I was like you know thinking about all this like like Trump's like tech policy and foreign policy. Uh, and, 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 you know, linking it up to, to Eric Schmidt and Jared Cohen's work, right? Like all of this to me, I was like, I, I had one thing in mind that all kept coming back to, which is this manifesto <laughs> published late, late last year, like December last year, 
um, in the American mind, which the American mind for, uh, you know, I think some people might be aware of it because that was where they published that, like, um, the Flight 93 election essay, like, you know, in, like, 2016 or whatever. Like, uh, it's this, like, organ of thought for MAGA, (laughs) right? It's like like serious MAGA think tank. Um, and, And so... The, they they've and it, it's where like all of the weird like monarchist and neo reactionaries mm-hmm. live it's like where like like peter mm-hmm. till is like homeboys with all of them shout right the like, like yeah shout, real shout bizarre. Out to peter the, yeah. he's the enemy we're coming for uh, him we'll get and, him one day <laughs> so they wrote this they wrote this piece um, parody, Ed, parody. Mm-hmm. He is very legi- litigious, um, not actionable. <laughs> yeah, uh, we will never. I want to. I want to be clear. It's it's a bit. Don't fucking gawker us this early <laughs> on in our run. <laughs> I would. I'm a pacifist. I would never, all parody. Ever, I would never ever do that. But so they they wrote this manifesto. It's them. Uh, it's written by, it's published at the American Mind, but it's written by a bunch of people from a bunch of other, like, weird, bizarro, like, MAGA magazines, like, think tank, like, think organs of thought, whatever. Um, but they wrote it called, the, the manifesto is called, For Amer- for Real American Greatness, A Tech New Deal. <laughs> so, the American Mind presents real, real men of genius. Um, you know, I'm, th- I'm thinking of the old Budweiser commercials, <laughs> you know, real men of genius. That's what we've got right now. And but it's 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 interesting because I do think it actually, whether explicitly um, in the sense that it's like like Trump is aware of it or his administration's aware of this and it's influencing them or implicitly in the sense that they are just channeling MAGA thought. Um, I, I think this is Trump, the Trump doctor, and at least when it comes to um geopolitics and technology right to policy around that kind of stuff and and reading this manifesto which is you know sure it's only like 1500 words i think it's worthwhile picking apart um and we'll i think we'll pick through it in a later episode more so but i want to flag a couple things because there's weird connections um, with what we started the episode talking about where looking at it through this kind of doctrine or this philosophy it starts making sense as this like um like fascist kind of coherent framework um so they say so just some excerpts uh they say trying to force the perfect ideology or perfect neutrality on onto platforms and users will not see us through the digital transition America's innovative power and technological leadership are vital strategic assets. They must be safeguarded and leveraged with a new framework of policy and politics by the people, for the people, and of the people. We start seeing language right there, right? right? Where they're in that in there, they're talking about safeguarding vital strategic mm-hmm. assets, which if you remember the State Department's announcement is a clean networks for safeguarding American assets. So you start seeing this like dog whistling these people fucking love safeguarding america right they fucking love just like like cupping the balls of america we have we we have to protect keeping it we have to protect the country that's a continent that's divided or that's uh protected by two oceans and in a hemisphere that it totally (laughs) controls on its own why (laughs) i i i 
I just like I I just I don't understand why. There is, there is no empire <laughs> like, in human history that has had the sort of natural protections and advantages that the United States has, and every day they talk as if like we are gonna get invaded by transformers made by Russia or China. No, you know, like it, it, no, it's like we're we're terrified of the dingo stealing our baby when there hasn't <laughs> been a dingo in fifty. In years. fact, in not only hasn't there not been a dingo, we have labs where we make the dingoes and we steal other people's babies, <laughs> and we're over here being like, oh <laughs> shit, they're gonna come back to us. <laughs> Yo, what if what if Frankenstein's monster didn't like Frankenstein? What if it what if it turned against us? <laughs> the threat is coming think from outside of the, the American country. Think about it. But but, but like so these people like that word safeguarding. I'm gonna put a pin in it now that safeguarding is like that's that's a fascist dog whistle, right? Yeah. Like we've ceded the word safeguarding to fascism like we can like you can no longer say the word safeguard um, without it being in this register of like safeguarding american assets um the, this manifesto is really weird because it's it's really critical of the the way that technology is like currently organized so they're they're not they're they're quite critical of like the tech elites as they call it and they're quite critical of um the state's policy towards technology but uh, that's but in this way that they, they because technology is not being channeled it's not fascist right. enough <laughs> it's like like that's their main beef right like digital transformation is not fascist enough um and 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 the like silicon valley is you know uh, it, it's it's let, it's having its own way it's it's being set you know, it's not being reeled in and directed towards and, and like subsumed into the fascist state in a, in a whole enough kind of way. So they, they go on to say um, that, uh, unfortunately, officials on the left have largely surrendered their moral and political agency to a radical woke vanguard. That's me. I'm that vanguard. We're the radical That's woke right. vanguard up in here. Take, we're here taking the agency. Um, and they say that many times. They they use the word woke vanguard like four mm -hmm. or five times throughout this woke essay. Awesome though. So, I mean, it's very, it's Bolshevik, right? Like they are just setting up a, like, the, like they're setting up it a language. It is also really for, interesting for, for, how for libertarians this. and I think capitalists, ideological capitalists, so capitalists who have like their own sort of principle frame, uh, philosophical framework, but have lots of capital, like are really, really fucking scared of Bolshevik or Bolshevikism, you know, like they're scared of the idea, mm -hmm. not simply that their system is illegitimate, but that you have to meet it with violence. And like they constantly talk in their own writing about how we, they, like, I'm sure they understand that there's not, there's no, there's no real threat of violence, but they're scared of the idea that one day people could be like, kill them you know yeah i mean it's right here it's right here mm -hmm. in the following sentence where they say these increasingly institutionalized social and cultural revolutionaries mm -hmm. known for their round-the-clock ethics policing online and offline covet the digital power to impose their utopian or dystopian dreams on our country and our people ours let's be clear what? <laughs> yeah so i, I 
so they're they're you know they're setting up their enemies hello friends and enemies you know these people have it they're they're doing the same exact thing though where they're setting up um you know that that the, you've got this radical woke vanguard these revolutionaries and they're coveting oh digital power well, we got a guest appearance well, from the cat we, we, sorry we, we have a guest cat is, is, is <laughs> on screen getting poisoned earlier we had jeremy's cat was walking across his laptop this, this, this is a very cat friendly podcast. we're in the process <laughs> of getting a dog but i i like high key i want a cat oh! I want a cat so much and a dog. <laughs> all, all, all pets are good. Yeah, no, that's I, you know, that's that's the truth that we have to live by. <laughs> <laughs> so, I I, I want to um, you know, I think all of this because we're 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 running long, and I think this is all a teaser for for a future episode where we really dig mm -hmm. into this um, more because I think understanding this Trump, like this Trump doctrine and this manifesto and how it's linking up to this broader, like intellectual network of other like MAGA thought, right. That's actually really driving policy and, 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 and state philosophy um, in the U S they, they also say, and this is where they come in with this like really well-worn conservative right. critique of technology they say our digital technology has formed a new social and psychological environment that reshapes our very souls, our perceptions, sensibilities, and our habits of the heart. Soon technology will also pose stark challenges offline in areas like bio and geoengineering. So this is this links up to 20 years ago now, um, a, a concept that was really influential in the in the first Bush administration. Uh, it, so it's, it's, it's from Leon Cass, who was the chairman of the President's Council on Bioethics from 2001 to 2005. Fukuyama, so he here. was, Let's go. What? <laughs> yeah, so, Le, so Leon Cass was like informing a lot of um, uh, policy discussions around kind of like ethics on like like abortion, pornography, same-sex marriage, altern al quote unquote alternative sexualities, right? Like, like he was the guy informing like how the Bush administration thought about this from a bioethics standpoint, and he coined this concept um, called the wisdom of repugnance. You know, classic thing of what? You know, a philosopher <laughs> giving a very yeah. So a philosopher giving a very glossy term to a, a deeply reactionary. Does that mean concept. like trust your so gut, wisdom... but especially when it's scared of other people and new things? That's exactly it. That's exactly it. So for him, especially when it hates gay people. Yes, exactly. Yeah. No. No. Precisely. You've nailed it. So the, the wisdom of repugnance, according to Leon Cass, is a, um, an intuitive of philosophy. Course. <laughs> it's based on when, when, there, when there's deep-seated or intuitive negative response to a thing, idea, or, or practice, then that intuitive yuck should be interpreted as evidence for the what? intrinsic for the harm harmfulness or evilness of that thing that right makes so no so, <laughs> so so if, if if thinking about like two guys kissing makes you go yuck or if thinking about um people smoking you know just just doing fat bong rips you know hitting that loud makes you go like Ugh, then then that's actually that's that's not evidence of you being a bigot 
uh, <laughs> yeah, being a bigot or being backwards or just being uninformed. It's not evidence of any of that. What it's evidence of is a is a uh, a deep seated philosophical <laughs> intuition which is tapping into some kind of oh my intrinsic God. moral fiber of the this universe. is why they should have killed aristotle what? in the crib you know like if because like is <laughs> <laughs> he still plagues us to this day i remember, you remember that piece in the new york times where people are like don't cancel aristotle he is great and it's like aristotle the idea that people have innate feelings that we need to respect and tease outs for philosophical understanding is bullshit it's, it's not you know like there are things that are true and there are things that are real and just because you feel something doesn't necessarily mean uh, it doesn't mean that it's real right yeah you know oh, well you see cultural marxism yeah. would have us accept oh, these disgusting God. repugnant actions and practices um but you know no not 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 this not, not, not true I'm philosophy. You, dude. Not this bioethics. Dude, the Abbasid Empire but, but should so... have burned every single Greek text that they found. They should have just destroyed <laughs> every single one of them. <laughs> that, the 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 this machine kills line on the burning of the Library of Alexandria. It didn't go far. Yeah, no, it did. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the TMK line on the, on the burning of Alexandria. We're not primitivists, but but they should they could have burned more shit. They could have burned more. They they, they could have burned more books. Yeah, right? more books. I mean, they could they could have done a lot more. <laughs> but so so we can see. Uh, through this manifesto, that same kind of um, like conservative ph philosophy, that conservative critique of technology. And again, we don't have a, we we don't have enough time to get into it uh, in depth here. But I think we'll devote a whole episode to the conservative critique of technology because you know we gotta protect our territory. Right. We we can't be letting these people uh, edge in on our game, trying trying to corrupt. Um, technological criticism by making it seem really conservative and right. reactionary, which is what they do. Right. You know, so I think I'd be interested then I feel like this connects with, you know, some of the points you made, Shoshana, about, you know, I think I I, like I hear on the one hand, these conservatives are over here talking about how the real fix for technology is to purge the elites, right? To purge these individuals and, and restructure the mm -hmm. economy around them. And on the other hand, your piece talks about how mm -hmm. there are real material connections that go beyond the ideological flavors that people have that prevent any real reform from like getting to the root of it because you have all these companies that are trading information right. in unregulated forms. So do you, like, what do you, what do you see as a sort of real fix? Do we have to just straight up ban advertising <laughs> and, you know? Or, or. <laughs> okay, wait. Okay. Wait, okay, wait, 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 wait. Did, didn't, when, when, eventually, when we were talking to Matt Stoller, like, didn't he eventually say, like, no, we just have to gut the economy in order for Facebook and Google to be broken up? That's amazing. I, I think yeah. he said so. We gotta destroy the beast. He said, he, <laughs> he said, he 
he said something along those lines. Like, like eventually, I was like, okay, but if you break them up with like the same financial incentives, like nothing is going to happen. Like you'll just they'll just like rebuild their like monopoly power somewhere else. So he was just like, oh, you know, like the real answer is we have to like gut the economy. And I'm like, well, that's not that's not the answer, but maybe it is. This is why you're I'm the good. Sure. This is why you're the good. I'm deeply upset that our because the. <laughs> I'm deeply upset that our first anti-technology president is. Trump. I know, dude. He's going about it oh in my the wrong god! Way. The first right? good like, shit poster. Like, <laughs> my promise to you. Yeah, yeah. First president shit poster. First anti-technology president. Like he's going about it in all the wrong ways. It's my promise to you that if if given the power. Um, I I would I would ban a lot more apps. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but, uh, but I would do it for good, for good reasons. I would do it for politically correct reasons. Yeah, you know because, <laughs> and and I wouldn't I wouldn't be doing it because they make me go yuck or or or, or the they're disgusting to me. I mean they are. Let's, let's <laughs> yeah. be real. But <laughs> I would I would be doing it based on 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 deeply logical <laughs> analyses <laughs> and critiques of the system. <laughs> you know I, th- but yeah. still. I would ban. I would ban TikTok. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and no, you no, you have to ban them all. Like the answer isn't just banning one; it's banning all apps. All apps bad. Yeah, you know that's I right. As so. I said at the beginning, it's it's not enough to clip the fingernails. You gotta cut off the whole yeah. hand, right? right yeah. Like, you know, I think. Uh, right, I, wait, wait, I, we'll, and, we'll, and, we'll survive. I well, that's a good question because and I think this oh, is a dangerous. Go ahead. Ed, go no, ahead. I was saying that you know. I was listening to a lecture, um, this sort of like panel discussion that I run, or not panel, it was a series of speeches that Matt Stoller was on, as well as uh, Yevgeny Morozov. <laughs> so, you know, we got like a dude that whose ideas we pull from sometimes, and then like the guy we cyberbullied the other day, we didn't cyberbully, that, uh, that you guys disagreed with on uh, key points. And it was a conversation. Exactly. And, um, you know, Yevgeny uh, talks about, um, you know, at times how when it when it comes to the the, uh, the digital economy, a lot of the analyses are um, superficial and situated in like, well, how does the app make us feel and how do like we enjoy it immediately and not like, you know, what are the actual material consequences of having this, you know, with apps apps are within an economy that structures funding in a certain way right if you're a startup you need funding from certain sources so that you can do certain activities and to get that funding you're gonna you're gonna appeal to them in certain ways and provide certain products and services and pitches right so that's going to structure already what your company does and provides a solution to um, social problems and then that move in of itself goes on to also structure what product or service you're going to provide also structures the way that you're going to look at the world you know like so the existence of the startup economy the ad tech economy like these i think also the next step intervention would be getting people aware of them but we also should go further and not just having them get aware of them because then the superficial impulses from the last uh step bring for come forward and they're just like oh we just got to get rid of it where it's like well Mm -hmm. they've already like structured everything you know they've structured it so you can't get rid of it because if you do everything falls apart so it's like it's like a a lot of like critiques that i got not only about the tiktok piece but a lot of pieces that i write they're like well you're not offering any solution and i'm like 
that is way above my pay grade, first of all. <laughs> but second, it's like any solution would result in a lot of people, including probably ourselves, losing our jobs. Yeah, I would definitely so lose it's my like, job, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because we're because it's based around the in, because our jobs are based around the internet, and this is the way the internet makes money. Mm -hmm. So it's like. <laughs> so I, I want I want to drive us home with with one key point that I think all of this is really oh. emphasizing everything from the, you know, the, the State Department's Clean Networks program to, um, you know, the, the Tech New Deal manifesto, all, uh, you know, to the wisdom of repugnance. All of this is really emphasizing that there is a conservative critique of technology. And it can be really easy on the surface level to confuse it, to horseshoe theory it with uh, a leftist critique of technology. But they are not the same they are they are diametrically opposed they might on the surface level look very similar it's about regulating or it's about you know critiquing the outcomes and consequences of biotech or whatever but it's coming from uh deeply deeply different sets of values and sets of goals um the you know it's coming from very different uh means of of, of enacting the, those critiques and those changes and i think that's really important so you know, I'm, I'm afraid and I want to warn people against falling into that resistance mindset where it's like if if Trump is going to critique the the, you know, TikTok or if he's going to come after the the digital advertising economy, then uh, then then if he's going to do it, then my knee jerk is reaction is to um, to defend it, to do and to do whatever the opposite is that he's doing. And that's not and that's what we don't need to be doing. And you don't you know, don't read the Tech New Deal manifesto mm -hmm. and see their critiques of the tech elites and of innovation and stuff like that. And think, oh well, if that if that's what the you know the MAGA organ of thought is saying, then actually it must be good. Um, we must we, we we need to come to the defense and carry water for the tech elites and for innovation because you know if they're making the MAGA people mad, then they must be doing something right. right. No, no, our our thought needs to be sharper than that. Our mind needs to be sharper than that, and and we need to have more than just this Manchian viewpoint and understand that it's not a it's not a horseshoe but there are two different you know there are different modes of, of critique and 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 we have to suss out um the correct modes of critique and the wrong modes of critique yeah i think especially with those magazines because so. <laughs> you know like a lot of uh for years the analysis of maga people or uh, maga voters maga enthusiasts was like oh well they're poor working class white people when it's really like they're the same demographic of the tea party which is like you know well off you know wealthy white people uh who had something to lose if trump's policies weren't enacted they would face more taxes on their property they would face more taxes on their capital gains they would face more taxes on like all the sort of speculative shit that they do that other people don't you know because they're broke as shit and because they're mm. poor as hell so i think all, like like you yeah. said you know it's important like the immediate impulses that we always have for analysis are 
a lot of times wrong because like they're also prepackaged stuff like like as a very basic example the, the idea of a tech clash you know the idea of a tech clash is like a constructive narrative that was presented by tech companies over time to be like well you know there was a promise time when we were all like accepted and everyone loved us and then they hated us and it's like no nah, y'all were always like fucking over people <laughs> you know? i mean that was the the tiktok's vp tried to blame all this on the tech clash uh, yeah uh, you know, he, he made a oh statement. Oh my god, I missed that. He was on, he was on some podcast, um, like some, like, yeah, I can't remember what, what, what media outlet it was, but he was on their podcast and he tried to blame all of this out on the tech lash, basically saying what, what Ed no. said, where it's like, yeah, so saying that like all of this, uh, you know, critique of, of TikTok is because um, the mainstream culture has turned against technology yes. and it's turned against I progress. Wish. So this, <laughs> this is what... This is what this is what you that get would be nice. when you know with a tech lash when the culture turns against technology and Silicon Valley. This is what you get. So you know it's a very cynical position, but it's one to be expected, right? To again trying to make that horseshoe um, to you know to because it benefits them to conflate um, all modes of critique and, and so Sh on. Sh uh, Shoshana, we're running long and hit us with, hit us with an insight. I want to wrap us up here. What, what is, is it? Is it because yeah, I'm, what, uh, no, it's because I, it, no, uh, it's, it's because you're, I think, oh, oh, I think oh, no, really oh, of oh. all the people who cover, you know, TikTok, China, you are someone who in your analysis and your writing, you do not fall for the traps of like, I don't know, man. They're Chinese. I wish I could. They're real Chinese. I don't know I, about yeah, that shit. You know, like yeah, 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 no, 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 no. I, I wish I could be more racist because it would make covering this shit a lot easier, and I wouldn't have to like translate shit from like, I wouldn't have to translate Mandarin as often. Mm. Like the amount of just, I, I, uh, I, sorry. As I'm talking to you, my cat is like no whining so i like i i took out like a ball of like string that's what my that's, i, I have like a wagging. i have a cat over at my mom's place and my cat does the that the cat does the same exact thing if i'm not paying attention to it it's like whoa yeah 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 yeah, yeah he starts he starts being loud all right yeah well. It's, uh, well, I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring us home here. Hit us with an insight, Shoshana, and we'll, we'll uh, wrap this up. Okay, uh, insight. Uh, people are racist. <laughs> yeah. End of insight. This is this is this is a timeless insight. Yeah. This is <laughs> a correct and timeless stop, insight. Just stop being <laughs> right. stop being racist. <laughs> well, this has been great. There's so much more to dive into, a lot more for us to come back to. Um, remember, anytime someone uses the word safeguard, the Pee Wee <laughs> Herman Funhouse alarm should go off. You know, that's fascism. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a, th this is This Machine Kills, episode two. I'm Jathan, joined by Ed and producer Jeremy. Um, and we are really happy to have had Shoshana on as a guest. Um, thank you for joining us. Thank you. And this was this was fun. Go out as there and safeguard safeguard some assets, people. <laughs> yeah. See ya.